0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Douglas Farrago, MD. He's an author, inventor, speaker, as well as a doctor. And his new book is Noki. It's a boxer's story. The lawless world of boxing has its reasons for embracing Noki a young man with autism and his abilities. However, they are not good ones. Should he be allowed to make the life-altering decision to enter the ring and put his life on the line? What few know is that Noki is actually a savant who can imitate and transform himself into a legendary boxer, He wa- to any legendary boxer he wants to be, a plot twist that allows him to pay homage to some of the greatest boxers of all time. Douglas Fargo draws upon his experience as an all-American collegiate boxer, a sports medicine trainer for professional boxers, and his decades-long career in medicine, during which he worked with autism patients to lend authenticity to his characters and narrative. He's the inventor of the knee saver, currently in the Baseball Hall of Fame, worn by Major League Baseball catchers, and is the inventor of the cryo helmet, used by athletes for head injuries and by those suffering from migraines. Welcome to the show, Dr. Farrago.
1: Thank you very much. I truly appreciate you
0: having me on. Thanks. Well, it's great to have you on. You've done so many things, doctor, as I said in the beginning, inventor, writer, speaker. But one thing I noticed in your bio was that you did your residency, I think, in, in Bangor, Maine, and then you practiced in Auburn, Maine, which is where I was born and lived for <laughs> <laughs> went to boarding school. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm, I don't know if that should be my first question, but it is. How long were you in Auburn, Maine?
1: I was in Auburn, Maine from uh, 97 to 2012. Yeah. So um, I, was, uh, I was in the deep heart of the uh, center of Maine during hard winters, and now I'm in Virginia. After so many years, I said, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take so it? a little warmer
0: area. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That, well, that's a long time. Obviously, you were there when I wasn't there, but uh, I'm not sure how much things have changed.
1: Exactly the same, it's probably exactly the same as you left it. That's the thing about exactly. Maine. It, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, change. <Maine>
0: stays the, <laughs> same, the population stays the same. About a million people yeah. you know, fluctuates a little bit, but usually it's mostly the same. So, okay, this book, I mean, Noki, I mean, it's really a unique book kind of a story, right? Um, so how did you get interested? That, that's my first question about the book. How did you get interested in like boxing and you know you're combining this autism and tell us the story?
1: Well, I think you write what you know about what your life experiences are. And so you know my brother was a professional fighter in the 80s, um, um, top 10 middleweight. Uh, I used to work for professional fighters in Houston, where actually this book is based for many years in sports medicine, um, nutrition, exercise, when I had a failed attempt at boxing and realized I got hit too much, I didn't like it. And so um, I definitely know I was all over the world uh, for championship fights. I know the underbelly and the dark side of the sport, which is an unregulated um, mess. And that continues today. And so that dark underbelly I, I definitely has always stayed with me. I've tr- tried to do things to help it. My brother actually has a retirement uh, uh, society to help retired boxers, but I just know how bad it, it treats people. And then you marry that with, um, you know, my favorite patient in, as a family doctor, who is those with especially kids with autism. There's just a connection I've always had with them. Uh, I, I don't know what that is or why that is. And so this story kind of bubbled up through that because we have – now, two autistic MMA fighters. So, and there is question whether it is fighters with autism because it's a spectrum, or boxes with autism, whether it's a spectrum. So we really don't know. And so the, the, the question that came to my mind is, you know, what if someone had autism but a kind of a more severe on that spectrum, would we allow that person to box? And w- if we did, the way boxing is, everything's a gimmick. They would use it as a gimmick. And I think that's quite controversial. And that's the kind of the pivot point in this book.
0: Yeah, isn't that, And then I, I think you also say, I mean, it's a pivotal point for, I guess, in, in, the, in the decision-making process, as you say, with people with severe autism or even certain yeah. people with other disabilities. So that that's a big topic. I mean, at what point is a person or is able to make good decisions um, about their own life, or do other people have to make those decisions for them? Um,
1: exactly. And then who takes over for that decision? You know, this book starts out simple. Let me just say this to anybody. It's a very clean, fun, fast read, and it, it go, it's like a roller coaster ride when you see how what Noki has to go through. Um, the reviews are really, really incredible, on this because it's a really great ending. Uh, I think it will blow people away. It's fun, but the layers to this thing, I have to have the Easter eggs in the back, which people should not read when they get the book <laughs> uh, until they're done because there's so many layers and references uh, to this. Um, that what they're reading is not exactly what they think they're reading. And by the way, for you, the social worker with a mic, their heroine in this book is a social worker. I
0: noticed that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's a critical point, and person in this book is Faye, who is a social worker. So, um, yeah, I think this is a really cool story, but I definitely go deeper, both in the autism uh, issue, which is, not so simple, okay? Because we put the society puts limitations on people, whether we know it or not. We marginalize people, and people with autism at the spectrum. We have someone from Elon Musk to someone who's quite severe and may even do self harm. And it's very difficult to decide who makes that decisions. Um, and so that, that was that's a really important point that I wanted to 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 point you know to the show uh, these people matter and have meaningful lives no matter where they are in that spectrum. So when you meet people, you don't know, and Noki is tough to pinpoint where he really, and, and that's the, what makes the, this is more of a fun read.
0: Well, I think you know you're talking about autism. I think the same, you know, in the aging population, it's also an issue with elderly people as they begin to age and perhaps, uh, you know, suffer from dementia, but it's not severe dementia. At what point are do you need? Does one need to take over um, and make decisions for them? Um, and it, it is a—it's a real kind of gray area. I think that applies. Yes. In, yeah. And I, I don't think. Yeah, we don't I have an answer to that. Yeah.
1: So what? Uh, no, it's what, not an answer. And I think when you—it's well, it's an individual case. And so when you have blanket decisions. On anything actually in life, it's probably stupid, right? I mean, we have some guidelines, but we definitely don't know. And so when you look at this dark, un- unregulated world, you put somebody like Noki in there, you know, it seems easy about people say, oh, you're sure if you can make a decision, fine. But yeah, this people are in boxing are putting their life at risk every time they, they go into that ring. So we've got to make sure we're making the decision in, uh, uh, with confidence. and. And so this is happening today, again, in MMA, and no one, no, one, uh, no one really cares or looks at that, and it's even worse in boxing, where no one cares about anything in boxing. And so I just definitely, I think what you'll find is this definitely doesn't glorify boxing, though I do pay homage to all some great fighters, because I'm a big believer in uh, how kind of incredible athletes and things that they did. So I, I definitely am a boxing fan, but I'm also a boxing critic, and I, I definitely, there's a double-sided coin there, you know?
0: You know boxing slash medicine to me it, they seem like a you know a 180 from each other like your interests <laughs> and here you are a physician which is kind of like the opposite of it. you're healing you're helping you know there's are sort of definitive yeah. decisions you make and that's so different than boxing so how like talk to like how did you <laughs> get <laughs> interest in both well it's prior to me
1: becoming a physician, I got my master's degree in exercise physiology, I got to tell you, my brother was a pro, and so, and then I fought in college, you know, and as time goes on, what we don't, what we realize as science goes on is, yeah, I obviously, there was, people get hurt in the ring, but now, even though we've learned for football players and concussions and CTE, boxing's ignored, right? It's an amazing thing. So for me, it's hard now to watch. I can't watch MMA, even though I wrestled in college at University of Virginia and then boxed. Um, uh, I, I can't watch it because it's just too brutal for me. So I, I understand your point there. And boxing, when it's, a, when it's an art, when it's really done well, Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, and some of these uh, uh, phenomenal, uh, uh, Lomachenko, these are some great fighters that you can actually, it, it's like a dance. That's different for me. I can watch that. Uh, but I definitely know that no one cares about their heads, their brains. Um, that's why I actually invented the cryo helmet, which is a cooling helmet that all boxers should wear after sparring and fighting, because we know now there's more and more evidence cooling the head definitely helps after uh, getting hit in the head. So I definitely want to help. Um, I definitely think it should be exposed more, uh, that no one really regulates or watches a sport, and mostly criminal organizations still run this sport. So, um, part of me—I am caught. It's a like you said, it's a one eighty. Part of me loves this, the art of, of boxing, and and part of me cringes at some of the things that we just ignore for these people. And putting someone like Noki in that world, someone with autism, should scare the hell out of everybody. And that's that was the, that's the point of this book. Okay
0: being an inventor i want to just go back to what you said you invented the cryo helmet i mentioned that in the intro but it, uh, and i also mentioned cuz uh, that this was this is for athletes for head injuries but also those suffering from migraines how does it help people suffering from migraines I'm oh it, it's phenomenal
1: yeah. so 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 about 80% of migraineurs definitely some people need heat but 80 to 90% need cooling of the head and so, in fact, this works so well because it covers forehead, top of the head, and lasts for an hour. It's a specialized ice. It's not this crappy gel that gets warm in 20 minutes. It even cools the carotid arteries Has a neck piece. And so it's actually in all CVS health hubs around the country. If you look, go to your CVS health hub, um, it's the most expensive cooling thing on the market because it's like 70 bucks. But this thing lasts for years when you put it on your head, it doesn't give you an ice cream headache it's just they really like like your head's in the in the, uh, the refrigerator and it just cools it off and then people can do what they want they can even you know clean dishes or whatever because it's on their head they can actually instead of holding five ice packs on their head it has uh, the ice uh, around the whole area it's pretty incredible i'm really proud of that and that still continues to grow in this in the uh, in the market
0: so how long does that last when you use it when you use it initially how long like the so
1: the cryo helmet, you re, you refreeze it so it lasts for years. As far as the product, which is almost a mistake, the thing's never replaced. because It's so well made, <laughs> but that's uh, not good. when you put it on, <laughs> not good
0: for business, yeah.
1: No, I know, but it's it, it, there's there's thirty something million migraineurs or migraine sufferers, sufferers. But if you put it on your head, it'll it'll stay on your head, cooling your head for almost an hour, hour even more, which is a, a gel. Is ten minutes is done.
0: So, okay, now let's go to the knee I mean, you are the inventor. So the knee yes. saver, I know a lot of people are getting knee replacements, uh, even in their 40s and 50s. So how does this work, the knee saver?
1: <laughs> so I I, uh, I actually had a knee replacement myself. I'm only 56. I had it at 51 because I blew my knee out at, uh, in college wrestling and then had seven knee surgeries. I know the pain of having a knee issue, but even right after my uh, re- uh Back then, after college, I had so much problem squatting. I put a a uh, towel behind between my knee and my my calf and my thigh when I squatted on this towel. as I rolled it into a ball. I'm like, I can sit here for hours. And so, if you watch Major League Baseball, there's a padding that goes in the back of their shin guard. It's like a it's like a block, and they can squat and lay, and sit on that. And I I don't get any royalties or money from the knee saver. The patent ran out years ago. It's in the Hall of Fame as the because it's it's it, it changed. Uh, uh, definitely one of the ways new equipment is used. And um, so it definitely, there's, there's a site called kneesaver.com which I actually put all the research on there. Again, none of that research is sponsored by anybody and shows how uh, health performance and helps uh, relieve pressure off the knee. All catchers should be wearing it. Unfortunately, baseball, just like boxing, is full of traditional uh, crazy coaches who say you can't do anything new, so it's always a battle to change anything with them. But I have evidence upon evidence at dot com that shows that these kids from on up should be wearing a knee saver uh, to take pressure off their knees there's no reason they can't be sitting on it. it does not affect their their game at all so it's a pretty cool thing i'm, I'm very proud again i get no money from that anymore
0: well okay so let's talk about that you're saying like the coaches don't want to use it they don't want to change anything because the whole so the whole political it's all about the politics of the game each de- like, politics of of football baseball football.
1: baseball like yeah. boxing is old school old school old school thinking very much old school thinking and so when you add something new uh, into old school stuff some time of sports medicine scientific you may get some trainers the athletic trainers to buy in and it took me a long time um we still have about a third of major league baseball players wearing it but i find the kids and the college kids are not wearing it as much because um, the, these coaches think, oh, it'll affect you because of the weight. The weight's about a, a wear of an extra pair of socks. It's been another ounce. Um, and I, again, there's five or six companies making it. I get nothing from it, but it does not affect performance and allows them to rest between pitches. But that's the way baseball and boxing is. You have old school people in there, especially as coaches, uh, they are not newly trained in some of the scientific evidence. And then what you get is it, 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 this information leaks down. So. Um, I'm actually being t- uh, someone's talking to me tomorrow about the knee saver on another show because they they're you know they're still curious about it. It's amazing. So yeah, that's just the way life is sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. And when you talk about these old school, but how old are they? I mean, don't they die off and we have a whole new breed? No, I mean.
1: 2021 and well well we're not going <laughs> to yeah. go into i mean it's a weird thing to say but things sometimes that's called a you know environmental kind of memes just constantly get seeped into the next generation and uh and baseball just tends to stay conservative as far as like old school mentality and so does boxing and so you can go into a boxing gym today and go into a boxing gym from 1940 and see the same crap going on and so when you, when my, if you go back to Nokia, I definitely, there's some cursing in this book. I kind of use like, you know, asterisks and things like that to yeah. change some of the letters so it's not so ridiculous. But, um, I try to not show you right off the bat that when you go into a boxing gym, this is a different world you're in. This is absolute. I don't care if you're in my right here in Virginia, New York City, or Houston. You go into a boxing gym, you go, you, you've entered another world that you've never, could, could never expect. In a million years. It's bizarre. It's the same old old school thinking. Bad people are in there. Very bad people. Most criminals. It's unbelievable. You are not safe at times. I, I've seen some amazing things. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it I put in this book to, uh, because they're real world examples that I saw or happened to me.
0: Okay. Well, share. Tell us at least a couple of the things that you put in the book. Like really, yeah, stuff. Well, I... Wouldn't I'll give
1: one good example that I, that I, that I put, uh, and I use it in a way with Noki in a different way, but I remember being in there when I, the, um, um, we had very good fighters. When Houston Boxing Association back in the 80s, one was Carla Truth Williams, who has just lost to Larry Holmes for the title on a very controversial split decision. I mean, just an incredible fighter. And, um, I remember just being there, uh, they retraining and weight boxing is someone sitting on the back, someone's shadow boxing, maybe someone's sparring and the door opens and this massive guy walks in and says, you know, I'm the, I'm the best. I will beat any M, you know, cursing any, uh, blank in this place. I mean, out of nowhere, screaming and yelling with an entourage. And we don't know who this person is. And that's how it happens. Right. And this happens all the time in gym day. People just—it's kind of this mentality of a tribal, you know, alpha. A big guy walks in, so it's actually scary at first. When, but, but it happens so often, you get used to it. So they take this guy and says, "Okay, you want to spar? Here's some gloves. Here's a, a headgear, and they put him in with the guy who just lost the world heavyweight championship, who literally beat the crap out of him for uh, about one minute. About the first three minutes of a round." The guy jumps out of the ring, throws his stuff, and runs out the, the building as fast as he can, the entourage right behind him. It was a bizarre scene that you couldn't make up if you if you wrote it. And it happens over and over again.
0: So this it, is like a man's, I was going to say, this is the man's, the man's sport? I mean, like, uh, although women it's do beyond boxing. Beyond
1: it. it's, it, it, well, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the this is tough boxing. These guys come from, you know, be clear, they're coming from the ghettos of different parts of the world, especially with their collective the youth and boxing associations, as they've gotten better and better. But where they came from, they really had to survive in the streets, had no money, and it was all about being alpha and so forth. And then by you know uh, trial and error, the best ended up where we were in this organization called Houston Boxing Association. But people off the street always think that I'm the toughest guy and I can beat anybody up, and maybe they can in the street. But is a different world when you put that 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 those uh, those the headgear on and those those gloves. And when you start going and you think you, and you're going to call out uh, the the almost the world heavyweight champion, you gotta be you gotta think about what you're doing. But that's the way it is. It's all testosterone, every day, every second. And it's I've seen, you know, other stories like that before. But that's just the way it is. Um, and and again, when I, I shared this book with other friends of mine who have dealt with boxing or past boxers, and they thought I was writing about their gym in different part of the <laughs> with that same story. And no, nope, happens everywhere, happens all the time.
0: So it's pretty consistent. And boxing comes from the uh, totally different history. You're saying, even though, like, I'm uh, saying, like, macho sport would be football, but that comes from k- guys who graduate from college, which is a whole different history, right? So that makes it an entirely different. In it, political it, game. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And it's more team. It's very much team oriented, right? So uh, college is, a, is they definitely, you know, they definitely have some college football, they have college experience. They're definitely uh, initiated and, and, and taught in a team environment. There's no team in boxing. It's just you. And so when people try to judge, one of these guys, uh, you know, uh, as a fighter, and how Tyson Fury now, and how he talks. Listen, that's how they had to make it. It's just them, and if you sometimes have one or two losses, you're you're over. And most of these people are destitute at the end. So it's all about macho bravada. In fact, that is another piece for Nokia that was such a cool idea. In because I always thought, and I've been involved in this, right? So I've seen unbelievable. Um, intimidation factors before the fight at the weigh-in and then and other ways you don't you, you the public doesn't see so I my best friend fought Mike Tyson in uh, in Scotland and so I was there for the week in Scotland in the corner actually and the intimidation factor of just Mike Tyson looking at my, my and right before the fight started my buddy Lou and then Mike Tyson looked at me and I almost lost bowel control okay so um it's very intimidating. So what if, I always thought, is what if, who, who's the one type of personality would never be intimidated because they could not get social cues? And that would be someone with autism. So someone without anybody ability to catch any social cues, someone is autism, that's actually now a benefit to that. It would actually reverse and actually scare the person trying to intimidate them. And that's what Noki does. You can't intimidate Noki. He doesn't pick up these clues. Uh, so I thought that was a cool thing in this book as well.
0: Yeah, it is. It's great. And and I think we we don't want to give away the story. So we want to talk about the ending. But uh, and I'm glad I just have to say we only have a couple minutes left. But, you know, the social worker being the hero in the story. I like that because usually the social yeah. workers are not the heroes. They are the ones they blame everything on when things go wrong. Correct. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, OK. So, I
1: think that's I go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, go ahead. You think what?
1: No, I just think it was cool that i we got to show uh, Faye as someone who is so pivotal uh, pivotal uh, in, in in this book and and uh, yeah i'm I, I'm glad that you get to you got to read that
0: so okay, we want everybody else to read it as well and uh, so yes. website and or websites we can go to for oh not just not just noki the book but all the other things that you're doing and that you do because um,
1: well i I will tell you that this uh so it, I, It'd be great. This, I think this book is awesome. I'm very proud of it. I don't think I'll ever write anything better, but or I haven't written anything as good in the past. If you just go to Amazon on the books, look at Noki N O K I. It'll be there. If you go to want to see more about the story, uh, it's uh, Let Noki Box Box dot com. I do other things now. I'm recently retired from clinical medicine, so I, I'm involved in what's called direct primary care movement, which is getting the insurance out of the industry and just paying your doctor on a monthly low affordable rate. So I, I run something called DPC News. Um, and Cryo, But more importantly, CryoHelmet, if anybody has migraines or headaches, let me tell you something. Go to CryoHelmet.com. Get a CryoHelmet. They'll, they'll give you 30 days to try it. It's an incredible product. I, I, I give credit to this company, All-Star. Uh, for making it so awesome.
0: But, uh, yeah. Great. Well, it's been great talking to you. Great guest. Lots of good information. Uh, Well, obviously, you're doing so many different kinds of things. Like uh, Douglas Farago, MD, he's an author, he's an inventor, he's a speaker. Uh, Go online, find out what he's doing, and uh, buy the book. Noki. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Thank you.
1: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.